Acts chapter 15. Uh, We'll be moseying around two or three different places in Acts, but making the same point in all of them. In fact, yeah, I'll start in Acts 15. This again is a standalone message that has just come from my own time this week of of reading and, and meditating on God's Word. We will get back into a series soon enough. Uh, but for now, it just feels right to, to listen and to bring these simple little messages of, of encouragement. Acts chapter 15, and I'm going to read just the very last verse of the chapter because there's one phrase that has come up a couple of times this week in, in my reading, and it's, it's the thing that has grabbed my attention. Acts chapter 15, verse 41. It's talking about Paul in verse 41. And we read that Paul went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And that's the phrase that got me, strengthening the churches. Um, It came up as well in chapter 14, if you want to go back to chapter 14 and, and listen to a couple of verses from there. 14 and verse 21. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Listen as well to chapter 15, verse 32. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. And then one more for you in Acts 18, 23. Just so you get it, Acts 18, 23. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Let me just move this thing because it's bugging me. There we go. Strengthening all the disciples. So this this phrase, this notion of strengthening the church appears quite a lot, obviously, in the book of Acts. It appears as well in the writings of Paul in his letters. And I think one of the things that we sometimes can do uh, as a church is that we can become rightly very, very focused on outreach. We can become focused on the community around us. We want to reach them with the good news of Jesus. We want to show them love. We want to show them the the light of the world, the, the gospel, through good deeds, kindness, generosity, relationship, many things that, that we want to do that are outward focused. And sometimes I think it's possible to lean into that so much that we can forget one another. And we can forget about what Paul or what Luke in Acts refers to here as strengthening the church. So if you want a title or a thought for this morning, the thought is strengthen the church. How does this church be strengthened? Uh, How does Paul do that? How do we do that? Um, A big core part of our ministry as Christians is actually to strengthen one another. I think we can wrongly assume sometimes that just because somebody has decided to follow Jesus... Um, because they have joined themselves to the church, to the community of faith, that therefore automatically they are okay. Everything from that moment on is going to be grand. There are no problems coming anymore, and uh, therefore they're fine, and they don't need any input. But that is completely wrong. 
And we see here how much time that, that Paul spent, how much travel he engaged in in order to be among the churches and to strengthen them. While we're in Acts, just have a quick look at verse or chapter 16. Well, there's a verse that I think it was Chris Leach shared it way back in maybe before the summer, just uh, in, a, in a gathering of, of leaders. And he, he made the point, I read this this morning, and just or yesterday morning, and it sat with me. Uh, whenever Paul and Silas were in prison and they sang praises to God, and then there was that great earthquake and the, their chains fell off um, and the Philippian jailer was about to kill himself in verse 27 of chapter 16. Paul shouts, don't harm yourself. We are all here. And the point that Chris made as he referred to that was the world needs a church that after all the shaking is over, that the church can say, we're still here. We haven't gone away. All the things that we do, all the, the ministry and all the call of God upon us as a community is still there. We are still here. In the shaking, we did not disappear. We're still here. We didn't run off at a, at a moment's convenience when the chains fell off and the, and the earthquake happened. We didn't just get up and run away. We're still here. And the world needs a church that is still here. And the world needs a church that is strong. So what do we do to strengthen the churches? As Paul said, Paul's primary calling was to, to be the apostle to the Gentiles. He was the one who was to bring God's word, the gospel to the non-Jewish people. And he did that and he traveled a lot and he addressed a lot of people and he went through a lot of hardships. But every now and again in his journeys, you just read these little points that says that he went back to some of the churches that he had planted and he strengthened and established them. It was part of his ministry tactic, strategy to be among his people, helping them and encouraging them. In fact, the mileage that Paul racked up in his lifetime was huge. Uh, he covered thousands of miles, a lot of it on foot, some of it maybe on horseback, some of it uh, using you know, sailing, whatever. But he covered thousands of miles as he traveled around encouraging the churches. And if he couldn't go, he sent someone else. In First Thessalonians, we read in chapter 2, verse 17, Paul writes, Brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, but not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. You read in Paul's letters frequently of his longing to be with the people, his longing to visit them and to encourage them. He was not happy to just go into town, plant a church, start a community of faith, and then move on to the next town and assume that everything would be okay. He always went back to them. And if he couldn't go back himself, in chapter 3, he says, When we could no longer stand it, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel, to strengthen and encourage you. So if Paul couldn't go, he sent someone else. This ministry of strengthening the church. So I want to look at a couple of places in Acts where we read this phrase, strengthen the church, and find out what is the context in which it comes. What did they actually do? And it's not rocket science. And if you want a rocket science sermon this morning, you're maybe on the wrong YouTube channel. Acts chapter 15, 
verse 36. All right, so we've already read in verse 41 that he strengthened the churches. Look at verse 36. It's pretty simple. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers and sisters, of course, in all the towns where we preach the word of God and see how they are doing. Now, this is not profound. This is not weighty theology. Part of Paul's tactic and the way that he strengthened the church was just to ask people, how are you? How are you getting on? How are you doing? I don't know about you, but in Northern Irish culture, I have noticed, and this is something I do a lot of the time to my shame, you'll say to somebody, how are you? And you just then walk on by, or you don't wait for a response, or you, it's just, it's become a slightly meaningless phrase sometimes in our conversation. But Paul is interested in knowing how are these people doing? If you want to strengthen the church, you need to be interested in the lives of the people who are in the church. And there's nothing nosy about that. There's nothing gossipy about that. It's that genuine loving concern for one another that causes you in these circumstances to pick up the phone uh, or, or go on to a video call or whatever and in more ideal circumstances to actually be together. But to say to somebody, how are you? And mean it and wait for a response. And if a response doesn't come, without being ignorant and forceful to just push a wee bit, you know, gently a wee bit sort of harder. No, how are you? How are you doing? How are you feeling? Not just, um, I'm fine, you know, the Northern Irish word, fine, or grand, grand so, you know, means nothing. But to actually give people a chance to really express how they are doing, what's going on in their heart, what's going on in their mind, what stresses and pressures are they under, what are they celebrating in life, what... What can you rejoice with them in? And what are they lamenting in life? What are the lows? What are the things that that they are suffering that you can suffer with them? How are you? You strengthen the church simply by coming alongside people and trying to find out how they are. And still in Acts chapter 15, if we back up a little bit further in verse 32, here's another one of those verses that I read earlier where this phrase appears. And we read that Judas and Silas, and that's a different Judas from nasty Judas. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. These guys are prophets. They bring the word of God to people and what they say to people encourages them and strengthens them. And the second way that I see in Acts in these contexts that the church is strengthened is through the Word of God. And that can be the written, preached Word of God, or it can be the prophetic Word of God. Now, I believe good preaching is always prophetic. I believe that that good preaching involves somebody hearing from God and then sharing with the church what they have heard. The vast majority of the time, in fact, all the time, that involves the Word of God. But I think as well there is prophetic ministry that is the spiritual gift of prophecy. In 1 Corinthians 14.3, we read about the, the purpose of the spiritual gift of prophecy. And there are three things. It is to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. To strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. And those three words, you know, basically mean the same thing. To strengthen is obvious. To encourage is to put courage into somebody, to make them brave 
to make them strong, to give them heart and courage for whatever it is that lies ahead. And to comfort, the word literally means with strength. Comfort means with strength. So prophecy is designed to strengthen the church. And these two guys, Judas and Silas, come alongside people and they share with them things from God's word, from his written word and from the prophetic word that has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. And they strengthen the church through that. That's something we should be aiming to do for one another. Don't become so outward focused that you don't take time to connect with somebody and listen to God with that person, with the Bible open on your lap or in a time of prayer or whatever it may be, but to actually take the time to still your heart and to listen. What might God be saying to the person who is sitting beside me? What can I strengthen this person with? Maybe not sitting beside me, maybe on the Zoom screen, whatever. But what can I strengthen this person with from the Word of God? Or what is God revealing to me as I sit here in prayer and in God's presence? What is God revealing to me that I can share with this person that will strengthen them, build them up, comfort them? That's the prophetic word. And in the book of Acts, that's one of the ways that the church was strengthened. You see examples of that also in the Old Testament. Keep your finger in Acts, but if you want, you can jump to to Ezra for one of the best examples of this, of, of God's prophetic word strengthening and encouraging the people. Ezra, if you're struggling to find him, Ezra is before Psalms. If you go to Psalms and go backwards, you'll find Job, Esther, Nehemiah, and then Ezra. And in Ezra 5, at the start of the chapter, we read Haggai the prophet, And Zechariah the prophet prophesied to the Jews in Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel set to work, or Zerubbabel and Joshua, Jeshua set to work to rebuild the house of God. And the prophets of God were with them, helping them. Turn over to chapter 6 of Ezra and verse 14. The elders of the Jews continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah. As these guys brought the word of God to God's people through preaching, through prophetic ministry, as they kept on bringing the word of God, God's people were strengthened and encouraged to be about God's work. So that's the second one. Uh, We've got the simple, how are you? And we've got the prophetic word as a way to strengthen the church. In Acts 14, the phrase is used, I read it earlier, again in Acts 14. Let me read verse 21 and 22 again. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples. And one of the ways that they strengthened them in this passage was encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Encouraging them to remain true to the faith. The church needs strengthened. What do we do as a church, as a people, if we see people drift? People who once walked closely with God and they then start to drift. I don't know about you, but I sometimes feel that I'm too polite 
um, I'm sort of too too um, too nice, and I tend to say, well, if that person's drifting, then they want to drift, and they don't want to be nagged, and they don't want to be chased, and they don't want to be hassled, and therefore maybe I neglect the ministry of strengthening in the church by encouraging people to remain true to the faith, but going after them and encouraging them to remain true to the faith that they have professed. If, one, if somebody says to you, leave me alone and I don't want to be chased or nagged, then that's fair enough. But do we know people who have walked closely with God in the past and they're not walking closely with them now? And that God would say to us, a way that we can strengthen the church is by going after that person in love and saying, come on, remain true to the faith. I have seen you walk with God. I have seen you at your best. And I know that you're not there now. How can I help you get back there? How can I strengthen you and bring you back to that faithful walk with God? You know, if you saw somebody in real physical danger, you would instinctively help them. If they were in the road and a car was coming or, or some other danger was, was close to them, you would move very, very quickly. You would take action to protect them physically from harm. And yet spiritually, we sometimes allow people to drift and we watch them when we know they're drifting and we know they're in a dangerous position. But we're too polite and too nice to actually get in alongside them and say, listen, I'm worried about you. I don't think you're remaining true to the faith. I want to call you back to that which you first believed in. Also in this same passage, we, we read on about how they, they encouraged them to remain true to the faith and they said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. A fourth way that we can strengthen the church is to encourage people to call them to endure suffering well. We don't like talking about suffering. Although we did an eight-part series on suffering a few years ago, which was, was quite, a, quite a weighty series and quite a big topic to undertake. But we don't tend to talk about suffering a lot. The Bible talks about it a lot and makes it very clear that to follow Jesus is to embrace a life that will involve suffering. There's a, a book that I got for Christmas called Rare Leadership, which... Um, has been a wonderful read. I'm nearly through it. And one of the, the things that the authors commend as being a sign or a, a facet of, of rare leadership, of really good leadership, is the ability to endure hardship well. And I want to just read the, the first paragraph of, of the chapter that they write on this. No one likes to suffer, but suffering and unpleasant emotions cannot be avoided. We all have to deal with them at some level. Those who learn to deal with them well become mature. They are a blessing to their families and their communities. Such people have a great deal of emotional capacity, which makes them very stable. It takes a lot to overwhelm them, which makes them very reliable. Their capacity to suffer well is one of the hallmarks that makes them rare leaders. Amen to that. The ability to endure hardship. Strengthening the church involves getting alongside people and helping them to endure hardship. 
and calling them to be faithful in hardship and in suffering whenever everything is not going the way we want it to go or the way we had planned it to go. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. That was part of the message that was involved in strengthening the disciples, to, to, to call them to faithfully endure suffering. So if you know someone who's suffering, if you know someone who's going through a hard time, and in that their faith is starting to wobble a little bit, get alongside them and call them and, and help them to endure. Help them to endure. Ask them how they are. Find out what's going on. Bring them the word of God, prophetic or otherwise. Help them to endure in their suffering. Call them to faithfulness. Peter went through a tremendous trial and a tremendous challenge through the, the, the night that he betrayed Jesus. And we read about how Jesus said to him in advance of that, Satan's going to sift you as wheat. This is in Luke 22. But I've prayed for you, Peter, that your faith would not fail. And then Jesus says to Peter, when you return, strengthen your brothers. When you return, strengthen your brothers. Whenever you yourself have endured hardship, persecution, whenever you have suffered, whenever you've been sifted and challenged and tried and tested, come back and strengthen others, Peter. And I think that stuck with Peter for the rest of his life because that's what he was really, really good at. And when you read his letters, particularly 1 Peter, the whole letter is about encouraging and helping, strengthening people who are suffering. And the last thing that I read in these few passages in Acts about how to strengthen the church is still in chapter 14. We've, we've had that, that we, we call people to remain true to the faith. We've had that we, we call them to endure hardship and suffering well. And then just note in verse 23, another thing that Paul and Barnabas do to strengthen the church is they appointed elders in each church with prayer and fasting. They invested in leadership. They strengthened the leadership. Because by strengthening the leadership, you strengthen the church. Now, not everyone is able to invest in leadership in terms of developing leadership, but they should invest in those who can, and they should support those who can. They should support their leaders in becoming better leaders. They should support their leaders in developing other leaders, because one of the ways to strengthen the church is to establish sound leadership and develop it. One of the exciting things that's happened this past week is that Forge Ireland has now got 11 students who are starting this coming Saturday for day one of the 2021 cohort. Um, an exciting journey to begin again. And the whole purpose of it is Forge is all about pioneering new things in ministry, establishing and, and breaking new ground. And part of that, although it's not a leadership course, a module of it is about leadership because by definition, anyone who's going to pioneer something new is a leader. They're taking the lead and that leadership needs to be developed. So if we want to strengthen the church, we've got to invest in leadership. Moses did this in, in Deuteronomy 3.28. Moses appoints Joshua to, to take up the, the reins of leadership after he's done. But Moses doesn't just say, Joshua, you know, you're in charge next. His command is to encourage and strengthen Joshua, to invest in him, to get him ready, to help him develop as a leader. That's how we strengthen the church. 
As I close, I just want to look at an Old Testament example of, of one person strengthening another. Can you go to 1 Samuel, please, chapter 23? 1 Samuel 23, one of the greatest examples of friendship in the Bible. A real example, a real challenge to us in our own friendships and relationships is the, the connection that existed between David and Jonathan. Verse 15 of 1 Samuel 23. While David was in Horesh, in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Joshua went home, but David remained at Horesh. That phrase at the end of verse 16, where we read that Jonathan went to David and helped him find strength in God, what that literally says is he strengthened his hand in God. It's a lovely phrase. He strengthened his hand in God. And I want you to see a few things just very briefly in this passage as, as we finish off. The first one is this. David needed Jonathan. David was king, or he was anointed to be the next king. He was a warrior. He was a poet. There's a good chance he was smarter than Jonathan. There's a good chance he was stronger and more gifted than Jonathan. But David needed Jonathan. And no matter how gifted we are, no matter how many years we have walked with God and how far we feel we are down the journey, no matter what it is that we do in the kingdom or what it is that God has called us to do, we need Jonathan. We need others who come alongside us and encourage us and strengthen us. And it is a dangerous place to be whenever we do not look out for the Jonathans and we do not welcome the Jonathans and we feel, I don't need Jonathan anymore. David needed Jonathan. Despite all his gifts, all his talents, the amazing figure that he is on the pages of history, he needed Jonathan. He needed someone to come along and strengthen his hand in God. We need to be in that atmosphere of encouragement and inspiration if we're actually to really fulfill the call of God in our lives. So the first thing is that David needed Jonathan's encouragement. The second thing is how intentional Jonathan was about encouraging David. Like, it, we, we read that David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph. Now, Jonathan was not just randomly moseying around in the desert of Ziph one day, looking for a Starbucks, and bumped into David and said, Ah, it's yourself. Fancy meeting you here. He had to go and find him. He had to go looking for him. He didn't, he didn't just randomly bump into him. It wasn't a chance meeting. He intentionally sought David in order to strengthen David's hand in God. Do we do that? Are we intentional about going after people so that we may strengthen them? We maybe not 
you know, knock on the door or on the phone or on the Zoom call and say, hi, I'm here to strengthen you. But that's what's in our heart. That's what our motive is for contacting somebody, you know, subconsciously or, or just not spoken or whatever. But I'm, whenever I pick up the phone or I make that call or I meet somebody at the fire pit or whatever, that, that the, the desire of my heart is I am here to put strength into this person. I'm here to put strength in them. I'm here to put God's word in them. I'm here to find out how they are. I'm here to encourage them to suffer well. I'm here to to tell them to remain true to the faith. My motive is to put strength into them. And Jonathan was that strengthener. He was that guy who went looking for David to strengthen David. That's what small groups really should do, I think, in the church. When we get together in those those little groups of, of two or three or four or whatever, that, that that is the heart behind it. We're coming together so that whenever we separate and go our separate ways again, we're going away stronger, strengthened by one another. That's the motive. Third thing was that Jonathan strengthened David in God. It wasn't just sort of a random encouragement, a pat in the back or stick at it, mate, you'll be okay. He brought him to God. And that's always, again, that what we will do for one another as a church, if we're trying to strengthen the church, is we will continually bring people to Jesus. Continually. We will not analyze them. I'm reading Job at the minute. I don't know Job as well as I'd like to. I'd love to study Job and and figure out a bit more about Job. But you see the, the frustration in Job as he is constantly picked over by his three friends who analyze him and analyze him and analyze him. And and all he needs is somebody to bring him to God. Somebody to bring him, in our context, to bring us to Jesus. And, and again, that should be our motive when we're coming together. I'm not, I'm not contacting you because I want to fix you. I'm not contacting you because I want to prescribe, here's three things that you should do to sort out your problems that are so obvious. I'm contacting you because I want to bring you to Jesus. And he can do whatever needs done. The Spirit can do whatever work needs done. I just want to bring you to Jesus. I want to strengthen your hand in God. Strengthen the church by strengthening people in God, by bringing them to Jesus. Keep that picture in mind of that fella in Mark 2 or in Luke chapter 5, is it, where, where his mate's lift him he can't walk he can't move but his mates lift him on a stretcher and pull back the covering on the roof and bring him down in front of Jesus that's how we strengthen the church a determination I'm going to get you to Jesus I'm going to get you into the presence of God and the last thing that Jonathan did for David here he he um well he he was intentional about encouragement he strengthened David in God And he strengthened them by reminding him of who he was in God. Listen to this in verse 17. You will be king. You will be king. How many people are there in the church who've had a calling of God over their lives and they need someone to strengthen them by getting alongside them and saying, you will do this. You are that person. Another really important thing that I'm learning in this book is the, the need to call out the identity that Jesus has given to people, who they actually are in Christ. 
to get alongside them and instead of, of poking around at, at weaknesses and flaws, to get alongside them and encourage them and strengthen them. This is who you are. Here's who God has called you to be. Here's what God has gifted you with. Here's the sort of person you are in Jesus. Here's what other people think of you, what they really think of you. Here is who you are. You will be king. You will be king. You will be faithful to the call of God in your life. And think of what it cost Jonathan to do that because Jonathan was Saul's son and Jonathan therefore would have been next in line to the throne. But he led that aside because he saw the call of God in David's life and he instead chose to strengthen David by saying, you're going to be king. You're going to be king and I'm going to support you in it and I'm going to encourage you in it. It's a lovely picture of how we come alongside people intentionally to strengthen their hands in God by reminding them who they are. Paul writes in, in Romans 12, and with this I close, he, he writes a list of spiritual gifts. There are several lists in the New Testament. I don't believe any of them are completely exhaustive about gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to people. In Romans 12, verse 6, he, he, he writes, We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use that in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. It's, if it's teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. Paul saw encouragement and strengthening people as a spiritual gift. I know people who are so strong in that gift. I want to become stronger in it. So good at building people up, strengthening them, strengthening their hands, holding up their hands when they're flagging and their strength is weak. What an important ministry that is in the church. Let's look out for each other. Let's strengthen one another in these simple ways. Paul traveled miles hundreds and hundreds of miles to strengthen the church. Surely we can lift the phone, start the Zoom call, show up at the fire pit or whatever it may be in order to encourage and strengthen one another in our walk with God. Thanks for listening. Simple little message, not much to it. Hope you've been encouraged. I hope it inspires you to give somebody a call and see how they're doing. Um, we'll see you Tuesday night. Uh,